You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember to follow Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy, Hickman, happy to be back to discuss Houston Texans news, talk, and everything that we can really discuss and Today will be the day that we kick off the theme of the week, right, Cody? Where we're going to kind of, you know, a little bit of Marty. What's the name of that movie? Uh, back to the Future. Back we're going to go future. back to the past. Go to 2010 and discuss some things like the number one song, movie, and what life was like for the Houston Texans back then. Of course, discuss what life was like for us as well. And so that's going to be fun. I can't wait to discuss that because a lot of you guys may have forgotten how great the year 2010 actually was. We're also going to dive into an area of our team that has been getting a little bit overlooked. I don't know why. And we've kind of done it a little bit here. I think so on our show, but I think that's due to trades and the offseason moves. But an area of our team that I think deserves some praise. And I'm sorry. I say speak for yourself. Well, I mean, I think as a whole, this group hasn't really gotten the love that it should have gotten. And I can't wait to discuss that area. And also we're going to look at the, what was that list? Out of 32 teams, the best to worst NFL offenses going into this year. And uh, I got to tell you, I think there are some discrepancies with that list. Guys, I also want to make sure that you remember, of course, we have to tell you, but I, I don't feel obligated to tell you. It's just a, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, the best protein bar in the business bar. None. Trust me. And on top of that, I mean, I've been telling you guys this every time I get a chance. I work 10-hour shifts and I get up at the crack of dawn. I beat the crack of dawn, actually. I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, so I'm pretty tired. What I do is I give me some water. I get one of the Built Bar Energy Boost Packs, put it in some water, shake it up, and it gives me everything I need to get throughout my day. I promise you it does. Check out Built Bar on BuiltBar.com. The best protein bars in the business, bar none. Cody, you know, last year we traded for Larry Tunson. And this offseason, we, we gave him a whopping three-year, $66 million contract. But I believe, what, 54 guarantee something along those lines and that was huge news right we had discussed when will it get done if it'll get done the cards are all on bill o'brien and the the general manager team to get this deal done because you just traded two first rounders for him we knew it'd get done and got done and then when that news kind of popped out it happened and then it got swept under the rug a little bit right we didn't really get into Laramie Tunsil and his effect on this offensive line. And 
I tell people this all the time. The offensive line here in Houston is actually really good. And I hear it all the time. You're crazy. No, this is not true. They stink. I hear this all the time. And I, and I always ask these people, have you seen the Seahawks play who just signed Carlos Hyde? Have you seen, you know, teams like the Cleveland Browns play? Have you seen the Atlanta Falcons? Have you have you seen some of these teams that have abysmal offensive lines, right? Uh, when you ask them that, they always go, well, I don't need to watch them because I'm not their type of – I'm not a fan of that team. Hey, guys, I got to tell you this. The offensive line here in Houston, with Larry Tussle, who did not get an offseason last year, and the way things look, he may not get an offseason this year, or may not get the full offseason, but we would like for him to get, you know, to kind of get some continuity with Deshaun Watson and the offensive line that he's playing around. But nonetheless, the offensive line that's here in Houston is actually really good. Larry Tussle, two rookies, again, two rookies, and two season vets. This is what we have to tell you. The Texans are the only team in the entire NFL whose entire 2020 offensive line finished with a 2019 pass blocking grade north of 70. This is from PFF Houston with the Pro Football Focus. Larry Tunso had a blocking grade of passing block grade of 88.2, which was third for all left tackles, money. Guarantee that he just got was well due, well deserved. Max Sharper, a rookie, his flat, his pass blocking grade was 74. That's 13 among all left guards. And Cody, listeners at home, you guys know how high I am on Max Sharper. I think Max Sharper's ceiling is a little bit higher than Titus Howard, and that's no disrespect to him. Nick Martin, our center, a pass blocking grade of 82.3. That's six for all centers. Zach Fulton, who a lot of you guys wanted to trade off, a lot of you guys wanted to get rid of him, had a 77 pass blocking grade, which was six for all right guards. And then Titus Howard had a 70.4, 15 for all right tackles. And I don't think this group gets the, the recognition, nearly the amount of recognition that they should. We have given praise to the versatility of the DB in secondary. We have talked about the newcomers here in Houston at the receiver position and how they can add a different element now that the playing field will be a little bit leveled because Deshaun Watson will no longer be primarily thrown to DeAndre Hopkins and what Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb could do and so on and so forth. But these five men have held it down, protected Deshaun Watson. The number of sacks they reduced last year compared to the year before is a huge jump. They didn't have a full offseason together. Titus Howard moved around a little bit. Max Sharpen solidified himself at that left guard position. But I think we really need to take a step back and say, well, it could be worse. Right? We we could have, we could have, we could have not traded for Larry Tunsil, ended up with Andre Dillard, and that could have turned out to be abysmal, right? We could have did a lot of things differently. But the main priority going into last year was to make sure that we keep Deshaun Watson off the ground. He cannot have a nearly 70-sack season again. And they did that. And I'm super proud of this offensive line. I just wanted to get that out there because this offensive line here in Houston takes a lot of flat, Cody. But they deserve some praise.
Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty. Not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine. But it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate nut flavors. Eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. It's no secret that the Texans lost a huge piece of their franchise this offseason, but the disrespect is getting hella ridiculous. Each and every day, somebody is talking about how terrible of an offseason the Texans had, and some believe that it will result in a subpar season that will cause Deshaun Watson to part ways with the team next spring. But the latest disrespect comes from Mark Scottfield of Touchdown Wire, part of USA Today. During his ranking of the 32 best offensive teams, John, he placed the Texans at number 17. And here's what he had to say. And I quote, If this was solely a ranking of quarterbacks, the Houston Texans would check in much higher upon this list. But Deshaun Watson is just one man. After making it to the playoffs last season, the Texans traded away perhaps their most dangerous offensive weapon in DeAndre Hopkins in a move that still has people scratching their heads today. Brandon Cook and Randall Cobb are nice pieces, but Hopkins is a big loss. In all, it's hard to think that this offense did not take a step forward and will take another step back this offseason. With that being said, there is no way in hell the Houston Texans are going to be the 17th best offensive team in this league. Last season, the Texans ranked 13 in total yards, averaging 362 yards per game. Yes, I know losing DeAndre Hopkins is going to I know, I know losing DeAndre Hopkins is going to be one miss. And it and it's and you cannot replace the talent that he brought to this team. But losing Hopkins will not plummet this team to the bottom half of the league. When you take a look at the weapons that this team has added, Randall Cobb, a guy who has played, has been a reliable target for Aaron Rodgers and Dex Prescott throughout his career. Then you add in Brandon Cooks, a guy that I need to remind everyone has recorded a thousand receptions four times over the past six seasons. John, I don't know about you guys. I know losing Hopkins in hindsight looks bad, but I'm not convinced that it's enough to make the Texans, A, not a playoff team, and B, I'm just not too sure that you can that I can sit here and, and tell you that I believe that this offense that we see on paper is going to be worse than, than the one that we saw last year. How many times do I have to say this? The Texans, I believe, are going to be better in 2020 than it was the past two seasons. 
And I only say that because you were talking about a team. Yes, you have taken away something big, but you replaced that with different people, which makes them a lot more versatile heading into the next season. Instead of having one guy who can do it all, they now have four. We know what Will Fuller can do. And not only that, with Hopkins taken out of the lineup, I'm pretty sure Kenny Stills is going to step up and have a better opportunity to show what he can do. Losing Hopkins hurts at the end of the day. But sometimes, in order to evolve and become the player, or in this, or in this case, the team that you want to be, sometimes you have to let go and part ways what you think is good for you. Well, I'll say this. I disagree with it, right? And it's not because of the points that, you know, you made, you know, and that you said so eloquently. It's not because of that, because I honestly believe that we don't know what offense we're going to get out of Houston yet. We're very optimistic here on Locked On Texas, but we don't know. Here's why I disagree with Mark Scottfield, okay? He had the Houston Texans ranked at 17. The Cleveland Browns were ranked 16. The Los Angeles Rams, 15. The Indianapolis Colts, 14. And to back for the Indianapolis Colts, this is what he said. It is now the Phillip Rivers show in Indianapolis. After the Colts office struggled a season ago under Jacob Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, rather, and in the wake of a set of retirement from Andrew Luck, the veteran passer moved to the heartland to take over Frank Wright's offense. The move to a West Coast system might work wonders for Rivers, who had an NFL passer rating of just 59.1 on downfield throws last season, placing him 22nd, 20, yes, 22nd in the league among qualifying passers. Beyond the quarterback position, the coach addressed the wide receiver room with their first pick, selecting Michael Pittman Jr. out of USC. He might make it for a solid running mate for T.Y. Hilton. The team also added running back Jonathan Stewart from Wisconsin who has a sprinter background and showed last season with the Badgers that he could be a factor in the passing game as well. Okay, listen, Phillip Rivers was undeniably terrible last season. If he was still somewhat good, they wouldn't have the sixth pick in the overall draft. They wouldn't have drafted Herbert out of Oregon, and he would still be in Los Angeles. Also, I think it was time to move on from him, but if he would, if he would have gave them anything, other than what he showed them last season, which was the writing on the wall, no, we wouldn't even have this conversation about his first statement, which was, it is now the Phillip Rivers show in Indianapolis. Adding Phillip Rivers to a very dysfunctional organization is not going to help your offense at all. Phillip Rivers is going to be playing with T.Y. Hilton. And what is T.Y. Hilton really known for? Going out there burning somebody and getting that ball. He's one of the worst downfield throwers last season. That's not going to work out in Indianapolis. And to rank the Colts, who are in the same division as the Texans above them, it just doesn't make sense for me. Also, I'm moving forward. The Seattle Seahawks were ranked seventh. Well, again, they just signed Carlos Hyde. Here's my thing about that. The offensive line for Seattle is atrocious. Yes, they have D.K. Metcalf, who had an amazing second half of last season, really turned up. They also added Greg Olsen. But I'll, I'll argue this. And they also brought in my boys, 
Thaddeus Moss, uh, who I believe should have been drafted to another team that I really didn't want to see there. But nonetheless, I'll say this. It's not going to mean a damn thing if Russell Wilson cannot stay up on the field, if he is not able to go out there and make throws because he's always getting hit. And Russell Wilson is a, you know, he's a guy that can overcome and do a lot for offense with his legs and his ability to lead and just drive and, and will to do things better. But I don't have confidence in an offensive line that can't keep their quarterback upright over the course of time over a Houston Texas team that has one of the best offensive linemen in the league, Willamie Tunsil. We just read off the PFF blocking grade. You have two guys that will be going into their second year building off of that, and then you have Nick Martin and Zach Folden in the middle to take care of the center and guard position. I don't believe that. And then here's my beef. Once again, the Cleveland Browns are being entirely too – and put on this pedestal right now. I get it. The underdog story leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. We're tired of it. We want to see them at least win a division or make the playoff for a wild card. I get it. I understand. But this is the same thing you did last year, not him personally, but the NFL, and it blew back. We don't know what this team will be able to do. And everything looks good on paper for Cleveland, just like it did last year. So I don't think Cleveland should be in this conversation. I don't think they should be ranked above Houston because I don't care about the paper game. This isn't the paper Olympics. I don't care. And what I saw was Deshaun Watson, who did operate with DeAndre Hopkins, who's now going, but he also brought those targets from the year prior down and fed the ball around, which means there's more opportunities for more guys. This list to me is, is a uh, – it shows – how I go with disrespected Houston franchises are when it comes to sports media. It's hard to say that with Deshaun Watson, with four reliable, pretty damn good receivers, with two guys who are pretty solid in the backfield, you have another solid option tied in in Darren Fells, and another solid, pretty damn good offensive line, which I believe this offensive line is going to take another step forward because not only do you have Laramie Tunsil locked in, you got two studs that's entering their second season that's going to be a hell of, hell of a lot better than their rookie season. With that being said, once again, there is no way in hell the Houston Texans, when it's all said and done, is going to be the 17th best offensive team in this league. And, John, you mentioned it. We are talking about a team that's, you know, on paper, we don't know what's going to happen with this team, but we know what the Cleveland Browns is going to be made of. The Los Angeles Rams with the weapons that they lost, one of the weapons in Brandon Cooks that's in here in Houston now, they're not going to be the 15 best offensive team. The Indianapolis Colts, yes, T.Y. Hilton is pretty damn good, but you forgot to mention the man is always hurt, which means he's never on the field. Then you take a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, ever since they won the Super Bowl, they have always been a team that could make a run, but they still invested in Carson Wentz, another guy who is never healthy. So right off the bat, we're talking about four teams that the Texans automatically better, better than already. So that leaves them tied 13, which that's damn near where they were last year when you look at the overall perspective of this team. Once again, I understand losing DeAndre Hopkins 
was a big deal. And I'm no way near trying to make it seem like Hopkins wasn't as good as everyone made him seem. Hell, if I had my way, he would still be on this team. But when you take a look at every single guy that the Texans have on that receiving core, well, let me just say the top four, because when you start talking about DeAndre Carter and Kiki QT, I mean, they, they still a question mark. They might be lucky if they still in the league come, come next season. But at the end of the day, you are still talking about a pretty damn good receiving core, which I'm looking at it from a standpoint. I keep saying this may it makes this team a hell of a lot more versatile. What would you rather? One guy who can do it all, or you can break it up into multiple guys who can do everything. Which one would you rather? I would rather the latter. I would have multiple guys who can be just as good or better than that one person. And that's no disrespect to Hopkins. But I'm I'm looking at this team and I'm I'm very hopeful for the future. With all that being said, when you look at this team on paper, the biggest knot is can they stay healthy? If they can stay healthy, I guarantee you we're going possibly are going to see the best team that we possibly have ever seen in this franchise. Guys, as you know, this is the take it back week you know that's the thing we're going to go back in time and hop into the time machine we're going to go to that knob and we're going to crank it back at least right now the 2010 season and when we look at the 2010 season it has to start in 2009 right and of course we're going to talk about the Texans, but one thing we want to know we're going to put this question out there on twitter was where were you and what were you doing during the 2009 2010 period of your life Cody, I was a senior in high school, wide-eyed. That was the last time in 2009 that I played organized football. And, man, I tell you, I think about that at least once a month now. Like, you know, there's a speech that's always given. It doesn't matter. The speech always ends off. For some of you, this would be the last time you played organized football. And uh, I got to tell you, man, I, I that was around the time, my senior year, because honestly, my entire life, I never really did like playing football. But that was around the time that I really started to take notice to what the game of football brings, study and look at the game differently. So my passion for a group, and, you know, I, I had one coach wanted me to come play for his prep school. Uh, which I probably should have did that because that's how Antonio Brown ended up in Central Michigan. But nonetheless, uh, that was the last time I played professional, I mean, organized football, you know, in high school. I was getting ready to graduate during the 2010 season, and boy, did I have a blast that year. I knew I was graduating. I really didn't have any more, you know, problems to work up, worry about. Uh, that was the year my dad passed away, so things did get a little rough there, but the 2009-2010 season was, was for the, the Texans and the point of my life, was the year that kind of, you know, jump-started where I am today. That year, the number one song was TikTok by Keisha. Yeah, I really didn't like that one. Need You Now by Lady Annabellum. Didn't really like that one. But coming in at number three, you know, I worked at the movies. And um, a lot of times when you work at like the places like the movies and the 
mall. I worked at the mall. I, I worked in a lot of odd jobs. But when you work in a lot of these places, they play those like pop radio top 100 songs. And one of the songs on this list coming in at number three still plays in malls across America. And that's Hey Soul System by Train. And you guys know this. Everybody's heard this song. Hey Soul System. Oh, gosh. I love that song. I know. I love that song. Don't hate this song. California Girls, Katy Perry featuring Snoop Dogg was number four. Bro, can I can I admit something? Can I admit something? Love that song. Did you love that song? I love Katy Perry back then. Like, like all her songs was just fire to me. I don't know why. That's crazy. That was the prime of her career. Teenage Dream. Another one. Katy Perry did drop some bangers. You you I, I will you know what John? Katy Perry is one of those people. I mean now, I mean, not now. I don't know what the hell going on with her now. But back then, I believe you was lying if you say you did not like Katy Perry. Like everybody liked Katy Perry, because not only did she have California Girls, she had Teenage Dream, she had Last Friday Night. Like she had some bangers back in the day. Katy had some hits. I'm not gonna take that away from Katy. Uh... And she knew how to make songs with, with you know, just she knew how to put things together back then. I don't know what Katie's doing now. You're right, but I, I'll say this. At number five was that Oh My God song with Usher and Will I Am. And that was a huge banger. Oh, the last Usher album I like. And then at number 11 was B.O.B. featuring Bruno Mars, Nothing On You. That was the first time we actually had a chance to see who Bruno Mars was. Dog, was also the year that Drake dropped <laughs> so far gone. Man, and that changed the course of hip hop history. Uh, during that time, I was I was just about to say to understand how long ago this was. Bruno Mars, Drake, and Nicki Minaj had just popped on the scene, and here we are ten ten years later, and all three of those people, especially Drake literally define the 2010s in pop hip-hop however you want to put it music oh nine 2010 was a great year for a, a lot of things but when we look at the houston texans that 2010 roster well let, let's look at the roster matt Schaub, who just threw for 4300 yards 24 touchdowns to 12 interceptions uh arian foster had a 1600 yard rushing season and andre johnson had a 1200 yard receiving season kevin walter was still on the team had 621 yards five touchdowns on daniels was still a tight end here joel dreeson as well those two combined for nearly 1000 yards and six touchdowns antonio smith four sacks mario williams eight and a half sacks a mobile one of the worst draft picks in, in, in history Dude, Williams, you got Cushing, that right. Oh my gosh. Brian Cushing had one and a half sacks, but he had a phenomenal year that year. And uh, rookie Kareem Jackson was here in Houston. Two interceptions that year. That team went six and ten. Third in the AFC South. Disappointed. Yeah, you know, that, that 2010 team, you could honestly say that was the last time that the Texans was possibly an irrelevant squad. And I only say that due to the fact that after that year, the Texans made their first ever playoff appearance. And 
ever since then, you always expected something from the Texans. And outside of, I believe it was 2012 or 2013, I can't remember which one it was when they went, I believe, 4-12. and 12. And, of course, later on in the decade when they went, I believe, another 4-12 and 12 or 5-11, and 11, whatever what it was, this, the season when Deshaun Watson had towards ACL, when you take out those two years, the Texans has basically been a playoff contending team. So to me, the 2010 signified the last time they was irrelevant. Yeah, and it was a good building year, too. I mean, they was able to see who they have, which, you know, it really still boggles my mind that they decided to go with Matt Shaw over Peyton Manning. Because Matt Shaw had a relatively great year that year for his standards. And they were only 6-10. and 10. And this is around the same time where, you know, that year you were able to see, wow, we have a stud in area in Austin. Andre Johnson is the man. We have a nice tight end core, great offensive line. And in that year, the Texans were losing games that they were either up in or that they should have just flat out won. They lost some close games that year. So that 6-10 and 10 could have easily been around 10 and 6, 9 and 7, and who knows what the outcome could have been, you know, moving forward. But that was a very good, you mentioned it, a very good prop year for the Houston Texans because they put some expectations on them moving forward. And then, you know, what happened from there, they were able to build up the team to what we know now. It's a team that, you know, at this point, 2020, 10 years later, we need for you guys to really come along and get over that hump. But that year, that 6-10 and 10 year for the Houston Texans was, I believe, the year that, you know, I think fans around the city of Houston said, well, we have some talent here in Houston. There are some changes that need to be made. Here, Kubiak had to go eventually. But little tweaks here, little tweak there, and then we'll be able to see what this team can really can do. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Maybe if they would have drafted a guy by the name of Vince Young, they wouldn't have had those problems of losing those close games. Who knows? I don't know, John. Do you know? Nobody knows. But you know, hey, I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, maybe they would have had a – maybe if they, this would have said Vince Young, quarterback, they probably would have went 10-6, to made the playoffs. Who knows? Instead of Mario Williams, who didn't help them. Okay, fine. Ooh. Somebody's still holding on to that. Oh, I'm going to hold on to this probably for the rest of the offseason. I just want that. you to know that. But while you hold on to that and have fun with the holding on to Vince Young over Mario Williams debate, I want to let these guys know that they can follow me on Twitter at some sports cop always and check out Locked on Texas on Twitter, Locked on Texas on Facebook. Like the page, if you will. Also, if you would mind, take time out of your busy schedules listeners at home who I don't want to debate with anymore because you guys have spoken on the Twitter polls. Go ahead and follow Houston Sports Press on Twitter and subscribe to the website as well. And please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. That's Cody C-O-T-Y D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. While we're coming back from our time machine, guys, we want to thank you for checking us out today. As always, stay safe, stay sane, and stay sanitized. Peace. You are locked on Texas.
your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.